0: in a series on family and today will be distinctly different than what we've been talking about it's going to be very practical today what i want to share with you is is super simplistic but simple doesn't necessarily mean easy Uh, it's no different than with all of the nutritional things that are out there whether you should eat saturated non-saturated fat red meat no red meat carbs proteins whatever it would be The the baseline for losing weight is pretty simple. Calories in versus calories out, that's about as simple as it can be. If you eat less calories, you lose weight. If you eat more than you expend, you gain. But as simple as it is, you would think everybody here, we would have no problem at all. But how many of you know calories in is typically connected to our personalities, our situation, our circumstance, our addictions? and everything like that so when I say today it's very practically easy it doesn't mean when I say simple I don't necessarily mean easy it's going to be a challenge to us I'm going to share two things with you that I believe if you'll listen and tune into it and adopt it as yours it I I know it can bring success I would love to be as bold to say I could guarantee you success if you follow this plan but i also know that within success becomes our ability to want to live it and to want to walk it out so here's what we've been talking about since january first week same scripture matthew 419 jesus called he said come follow me and i'll show you how to fish for people and then this has been our thinking for this series the most important people you'll fish for is the legacy of your family and in the 10 weeks we've been talking about it, this is where we've landed. We've defined family. We talked about the legacy of souls. We talked about the male. We talked about the female. Last week we talked about kids. And you look at this and it should be pretty simplistic. It should be not much to it. Just that there you go. That, that's family. Why can't we be successful at this? Why doesn't it work? Why does statistically, I think, what do they say, 50-plus percent of all families will be broken? And by broken, I mean the husband and wife will split and the father will go one way. You heard Davis's story. Even a Christian family that Davis grew up in, mom went one way, dad went the other. You would think that we could just say, hey, we can get along, we can make this work i've never met anybody yet who's come to the altar to get married that says we really want to screw our life up and have a miserable life (laughs) most people come with uh, great intention most people if not all stand at an altar on the day they stand there very excited to be together even so excited blissfully happy that when you tell them there may be problems it kind of goes over their head but it only takes about two weeks in before you agree we all have problems We've got things we need to work through. And so here's why it can become so difficult, is that in these equations of a husband, a wife, and children, we all have personalities. You were... (laughs) That came from my house. (laughs) You all have personalities. It really doesn't matter. How much you love the Lord or read your Bible, personalities are powerful. Robin is an only child and I'm a baby and if you ever wanna see two people try to learn to live together, put an only child who always got her way and a baby who always got his way and throw them in the house together and go get along with each other. It's like, I want my way. Submit to me, woman, I want my way. Well, you should love me like a queen. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be a fun day. We just getting started, baby. You should love me like a queen. You should love me like my mama, right? Like <laughs> personalities. Even the best of Christians have them. I often say about myself, in the 30 plus years I've been married to Robin, I don't think, to my knowledge, or my children have ever heard me curse. I don't use foul language. I don't scream, I don't slam doors, I don't holler, I don't huff and puff much. Uh, If I do huff and puff, there's no fire with it. But I'm a powder. My personality, I say this all the time, my personality is I'm a professional powder. I could write a book and teach you. If you want to learn, come see me. But when we're arguing or when we're in trouble, I, I, I revert inward, I bring everything inside, I hold it inside, I ponder it, I play guitar, I pet the dog because me and the dog get along well and I say, you should pray for her, she needs prayer, you know? But that can be just as deadly because I, in my personality, I hold it all inside. My personality is to not say anything. My personality is to try to just, hopefully I can outlast it and if you're not careful, my personality can cause a sickness in our marriage because over time if I hold too much in and I never talk about it and I never go see anyone and I never enlist some help to be able to discuss it, it becomes a cancer. The pouting becomes a cancerous thing and it begins to impact the marriage. And, the personality and in my wife's personality, you've heard me say she's a perfectionist. Everything needs to be just in order and very analytical and very list oriented. And if you ever want to know how to make a list, go see her. It, they'll never get finished, but she can make good ones. Just, just list after list. I'm like, that's so brilliant, your list, your list mind. And yet we'll sit there and argue all day long over... What we want with each other or out of each other because personalities then you have four children Your first child is born and you're like dear God. Would we ever want another one? My first daughter we would have said is very hard-headed has a very we would say stubborn will when she was young But now that she's older We realize it's the way God designed her that she was designed by God to have this very strong personality because of the things God would ask of her then along comes three more children and as they're born, you realize that even though they're all in the same family under the same mother and father, each one has these various personalities of how we will parent them. They all don't respond to the rules the same. Very much a rule keeper right here. This one's not so much a rule keeper, but very much relational. It's all about feelings and, and wanting to be noticed and heard and seen. And, And so to just lump all that in a bag, shake it up and call it family. But here's what I know about personalities that create problems. No matter how spiritual you get, every family is going to bump into problems. Every one of us. Even if you go to church, it doesn't fix your problems. Well, let's go to church, we'll start going, maybe that'll help us. It might help, but nothing on planet Earth is going to eliminate the problems. The problems don't go away until you're dead. And then when you're dead, it's too late. And because of problems, a lot of us live dead before we die. We stop being intimate. We stop being loving. We stop caring. We we die We get distracted by things that aren't even part of our life anymore We're distracted by work and other people and things that aren't really even helping our family be better Why because I died the problem brought death because I did not know how to fix the problem So here's what I've learned about personalities and problems. You'll have three possibilities I I use the word possibilities very intently because my, my experience in pastoring over the 30 years is that I have bumped into every problem you could imagine. It would literally astound you. I could go around the wall and tell you all the problems that have been downloaded to me over 30 years. And I've learned in my early years, when you talked problems, I would come home and tell Robin, oh my gosh, I don't know how they're ever going to make it. Or I would come home she'd say, who did you talk with today? And I would say, you know, this is years ago when we first started. I would come home and say, oh, you have no idea. So and so came in and talked. Well, how are they doing? Oh, they got no problem at all. They're, They're fine. They just needed a little help. But then I would find that the people that I would preconceive just need a little help would end up divorcing. And the people I think, there's no way they'll ever make it, did better. And so it became critical that it didn't really matter what I thought about their problem as a shepherd. What mattered is how they thought about it. And my personality, mine, if you don't know me well, I'm a fixer. I get great contentment being able to fix things, and especially as a shepherd, fix people. I started out early in 1996 pastoring. I was a people fixer. I, I wanted my life and my care and my, I wanted to fix you. I, I wanted to help you be a better human. I wanted to use my humanity to help your humanity. And that's great when you start out, but the problem became I was bumping into people that I was trying to fix as a shepherd, hoping for a, a great possibility. And the first time I was awakened to the problem, and it, and it is a problem, I, I love my personality, but there is a great problem connected to me, is if I don't mature, I will get really hurt trying to fix people that don't get fixed. Not it's you. I'll get hurt at myself that I'm a failure. I didn't do good. I could be better. And so early 19, mid-1990s, I'm trying to help a couple It's probably close to 2000. And he came into counseling and his wife was cheating on him. And I said, hey, don't worry. Why? Because I I have great faith that your marriage is going to be okay. Don't worry about this problem. We can make it. We can get through it. Stick with me. I'll help you. And so he said, okay, preacher. And so I met with both of them. I poured my soul and heart into them. The first time I've ever done this I would love to say I've never done it again, but it's been rare because of how it came across. I decided that the way I could fix them and and get a better outcome that their marriage would make it, I decided to skip three days of eating and, and proclaim a fast for their life. So I thought, what a great pastor, I'll just won't eat for three days and I'll pray and my faith and prayer will break whatever devil's trying to split them up, and they're gonna make it. So I called the husband and said, Man, I am fasting for you. Don't you worry. God's got this. We can make it. And at the end of the fast, I got done. I was so happy, probably more in myself. That shows you how arrogant sometimes we can be in the name of God. But they ended up divorcing. I made a joke well don't ever ask me to fast for you again right to myself because I felt like such a failure I felt like I had given everything I could give to spare this couple and it went so far south that I felt like well what's the use but I learned a great lesson the lesson I learned it is every human has a personality and there's not any human alive that doesn't have problems but the outcome of possibility is not my response it's yours I can help you all day long but all of us have to determine what possibility do we want because in this room there's three possibilities right now that are key to all of us and everybody falls in one category. Your personality of your husband and wife and children and the problems that presents in your home will determine the possibility and the outcome. Here's possibility number one, you learn how to deal with it, you learn how to overcome it, you become a successful couple and you grow old together and you die on the front porch looking at your great-grandchildren and your family's content and you have no regret. Number two, the other possible outcome is, is you ignore it but you're too religious so you just deal with it and you say it is what it is and you stay together for the sake of the kids but you're miserable. Because you can't get along. So he lives in one side of the house. You live in the other side of the house Because the phrase it is what it is is how you've learned to live. You're not happy really You're not fulfilled intimacy's out the door, but it is what it is and it may get better It may not i've done everything. I know to do i've prayed no change and we just live that way and There's a lot of people that do that they're too religious to divorce. They're too prideful to go to a counselor. They don't want to go get help. The man especially too prideful. I don't need any help. You know, he's not going to go, it costs too much. Got a got a $5,000 shotgun, but he won't spend $30 to go to a counselor. Go figure, right? So, so the possibilities are not so much congruent on the world or the preacher or the counselor, but to the amount of effort you want to put to it to be successful. The third option is failure. If the problems become so great and the personalities become so distracting and you won't deal with them, the possibilities of divorce are what did I say? 50 plus percent. So that tells us right there just statistically that many families don't know how to handle personalities and problems. Because you're a personality you'll handle problems typically the way you saw your mother or father handle problems You become a product of how they did it How dad and mom handled it how dad and mom treated you? Now becomes the way you handle problems. So if daddy screamed mama, may, mama scream you may scream or you get so hateful that you decide not to do that so when the problem comes along you just ignore it because your your family screamed at each other and I'm not going to be a screamer but it still doesn't fix anything. And so what I want to teach you this is my thinking I believe I have at least found I don't want to call it the gold at the end of the rainbow or the four leaf clover But I do believe I've discovered how to have better odds at coming out with a better possibility So that you don't just live miserable separated in rooms It is what it is and you definitely don't divorce Although we know some people do And if you are here, I'll tell you My heart is a shepherd I I want everybody to make it Like I'm going to fight for you to make it But if you don't make it The challenge of me is I love both of you So you you typically have a divorce and I get in the middle going well I love her and she's got some that's true and I love him and I want you both to make it Now what I'm going to share with you today. I, I want to lump a disclaimer before we look at the two things My disclaimer is I'm not talking about marriages and family where there's abuse That is a whole other category. We can deal with later. Because I think when you're talking physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, it, it just, we just have to deal with that differently. But this thing of just families where there's arguing and bickering and hurts and jealousies and the ways we treat each other, I want to address that today with this scripture. Genesis 1 verse 28. God bless them. This is where we left off last week. God blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it and then this word in the blue reign over all creation So God's intention was when when a family was first created that you would not be miserable It is what it is and divorcing But that you could have the potential to live a blessed fruitful life where you could reign and so that's what I want to teach you I want to teach you how to reign together What I said last week a few weeks ago about the woman you're called to govern the man is called to govern You're both called to reign and rule. You're both called to be fruitful and multiply Then I need to learn how to reign together I need to learn how my personality and Robin's personality can handle problems So that the outcome of our possibility is a lot higher And I want to teach you how we did it. I'm not saying you know, we're not the end yet We're about 30 plus years in but I do know this, we're not living it is what it is, and we're not divorced. We're on the high side of successful, happy, especially if she'll make meatloaf on Father's Day. I mean, just <laughs> like we're, we're on, we're on this side of happy. So we're good. Like we're, we're fighting together. We're like, yes, we got this. It's a fun life together. So I don't think what I'm going to share with you today is luck and I don't think it's magic It's what she and I have lived that has been successful And it's there's no patent on it But I thought I could download it to you today very practical to teach you how you could be successful Now if you've already been through a divorce, okay, but if you're going to get married again, I'd want to be successful this time I don't want to become a second third statistic here I want to make sure that I can be and if you're in the middle of family right now, and it's a mess Okay, hold on. We'll we'll try to find how can we reign here so that we can make some headway? Let's jump into it. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and furthermore submit to one another so That's not just wives submit to husbands husbands submit to wives, too We work together in this thing and then it says not out of just reverence for each other but out of reverence for Christ Now he picks up husbands Husbands this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church He gave up his life for her to make her holy clean washed and cleansing of the God's Word verse 27 He did this to present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish Instead, she will be holy and without fault. I don't have time to teach in this, but it, it is a thought. I put it in pink at the bottom. It is a thought, though, that when Christ thinks about you, he thinks about you faultless. That's right. Amen. Yet when you think about yourself, you think about yourself as guilty. And the way I get you to love Christ is to tell you how guilty you are and then tell you he loves you anyway. But the beauty of jesus is he says I already see you without fault Well, then why would I want to come to him if he already sees me without fault because his love Doesn't ignore my fault his love dealt with my fault Not ignore it he dealt with it so that he could instead see me this way Now the question becomes: How in god's name? Is it impossible for man, woman, and kids to live in a home and not have fault with each other? Is that even possible? Is it doable? My my surface answer is ain't no way this is possible. I give you a month in, you're going to be wanting to hit him with a frying pan. At fault, 99.9, all 100% of the people that come to talk to me come because there's a fault. And then they want me to judge whose fault is it? His fault, her fault, their fault, you know. Because we're very good at humans of living life by fault. It goes on to say it picks up children now. So it doesn't let anybody off the hook. Children, obey your parents. Because you belong to the Lord and this is the right thing to do. Doesn't say, it doesn't say it always feels good. It just says it's right. Right. Honor your father and mother, verse 2, it's the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. So young people, the Bible picks you up and says, look, it might get a little hard for you, but if you'll listen to your parents, they may be a little weird, but if you'll honor them, it doesn't just say obey, but honor, if you'll honor them, it'll go well and your life on earth could be good. Then it picks up dads. Hey, dads, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Now what it tells me is God is watching how I treat my children. Like God's not just watching how Robin treats me and I treat Robin. God is literally commenting on the way I treat my children. And God says if you're not careful, you can anger them by the way you treat them. Now this becomes very interesting to me because what I start seeing is the way we treat each other, the way we view each other and perceive each other has great bearing on the outcome of possibility. So that if I as a husband view my wife with fault and blemishes, it's going to impact the outcome that we want. If I look at my children in disgust and anger, it will influence the outcome I wish for. Over the last years, I've talked with several parents who've come like hands thrown in the air like, I, I, you're just gonna have to help me and I'm like, okay, what? And they say, my kid, and then they begin to tell the story. My child is just not obeying, they're rebellious, they're not doing what I say, I leave, I give them a list of chores, I go to work, I come home, it's not done. I say, well, when you come home and it's not done, what do you do? Well, I take their phone, I ground them, I send them to their room, uh, and then several of those conversations have happened. Uh, they're grounded for a month, and I'm like, A month? I'm glad I'm not there like a whole month you ground. I took their phone for a month They're not gonna get their phone back till nine weeks. Their grades are bad 14 weeks. uh, They're locked away in their room I took their game boy. I and I'm good with that I how people parent in the disciplines they choose. Everybody's got their thing their stick, right? But in this I started looking at in this thing we call family I've got this little plus kids over here So I've got the way mom thinks we should handle it, the way dad thinks we should handle it, the way kids think I should handle it, and the house is a wreck. The personalities and problems begin to take over. So I begin to present what I'm about to present to you today, I presented to these parents and said if you would try this, I think it could work. They both went and tried it, they both have reported back to me that oh my gosh, everything changed and it's all different now here's what I shared with them there is a thing in our family this came to me last week from my daughter Stella now Stella doesn't text me a lot so when she does I'm very intrigued it typically is where's mom I need money Or Meet me at the gas station because she's still at the place where she could get abducted into the sex trade at the gas station I'm like, honey. We just got to press through that So those three things are what I'm looking for. Well when this popped up, this is what she said today She said love you more And I texted back love you too Now I put this up there. This was last week because this here is how our family has lived our life since I can remember this little phrase, "Love you more." Victoria Cato will send it to me at night, I'll be in bed, and I go to bed when Jesus does about t- 11. She goes to bed somewhere about 2 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m, whenever. And my phone will be and it'll be "Love you more." Especially Robin to all the girls love you more and then they'll text back. Love you more love you more love you more love you more now now the the surface of that is very what you would think is Robin used to say to the girls love you more and they'd say love you more and she'd say no I love you to the moon and back and Then they would trump that with well. I love you all the stars and then Robin would trump back I love you all the sand in the world and they would come back well I love you all the universe and then as only a mother could do she finally trumped the whole game and stopped it because she came back I love you all the everything's mm. <laughs> nothing's gonna trump that I love you all the everything's I'm like oh wow that was incredible I love you all the everything's so we've played this little game our whole life even before there were text messages There was, I love you to all the moon and back. I love you the stars. I love you all the sand and the seas. I love you all the everythings. In my bedroom are all the girls' handprints, and down at the very bottom it says all the everythings because that became our phrase. But what we mean by this and what I take it to mean is not that I love you more than the stars and you love me more than I love you and I love you and then we play this game. But this phrase, I love you more. As a matter of fact, just look at your loved one next to you, parent, wife, whatever, and just look at them and say, I love you more. Matter of fact, if they're not here, text them right now, they can thank you later. But what we mean by this is found in Corinthians, you know the phrase, love is patient. Verse 4, love is not jealous, it's kind, it's not boastful or proud or rude, it doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable, it keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, love never loses faith, love is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. So what we mean by that is our problems will never be bigger than our love for each other. It's not that I love you more that that I love Lucy more than she loves me. I love Victoria Kate more than she loves me. I love Stella more than Stella loves me. What we mean by that is there is no problem that could ever be bigger than my love for you. None. So if I believe that there's never a problem bigger than our love as a family, then we don't have to worry about mom and dad splitting because the problem will never override our love. In the end the love will always win So I go back to the families I was talking about with the kids that were like not listening rebellious not obeying I simply told them in the nicest of ways rather than going home Frustrated at the end of the day. Why didn't you take out the garbage? Why didn't you mow the grass? Why didn't you do? Why did you do this at school? Why did you get in trouble? Why did you go to the principal's office? And Then I take the phone. I get upset. I send you to your room. I ground you for six weeks. All of that is legit But rather than going home and letting the problem be bigger and then it frustrates everybody Go home and just begin to show love so the one of the parents I said how long are they grounded? They said a month I said, how far are we in right now? She's three weeks. I said, okay, good. Go home today. Get the phone back. When they come home from school, hand it to them. Say, it's over. Three weeks is plenty. I know I told you a month, but I love you. And hand him the phone back. I said, because there's not a kid around that's going to do well that never feels like they have a win. Because kids need a win. If, if they're always in trouble, they always feel like they failed you. They always feel like they don't measure up. It's just never going to go well because the problem begins to become bigger. And they reported back, I went home and did this. They told me the next day, I went home and did this. And I said, well, how did they respond? They said, well, for the first time in a long time, we actually sat around the table and had good conversations about what was going on. And it's just been amazing because the last week we've just sat around and talked with each other. I asked the other parent, how did it go for you in this new system of coming home and just telling your child how much you love them and how proud for you? So they said this, I came home from work. They mowed the grass. I came home from work. They've been taking out the garbage. We're hugging each other, telling we love each other. Well, you see, the enemy knows if the problem can trump the love, I win every time. No marriage can just we're gonna have problems But if the problem begins to trump our love for each other meaning your personality irritates me the way you treated me Irritates me what you did to me irritates me Now Robin and I have four daughters our daughters all have presented problems. That's what kids do Mom and dad have had problems. That's what parents are We've had marital troubles. I've slept on the couch before And the reason i was on the couch is because she was wrong and god could kill her and i didn't want to die with her you know (laughs) i'm gonna sleep on the couch in case lightning strikes you i mean i've i've slept i don't do it a lot but i do now because the dog's in the bed so but but typical we've had our fair share of arguments we both love the lord there's been times where we've gone all day and wouldn't speak because we were both irritable her way, my way. There's been times I literally have slept on the couch before. There's been a time or two in the early years where, hey, I'm going to go stay with my folks and sleep tonight and you deal with you later. You know, you, you want it to work. But here we sit 33 years later and we've raised our daughters this way. There's no problem you will ever have as a daughter, an Evan's daughter, that will ever override how much love we have for you. Amen. Ever. Ever. I'm going to raise you to be a Christian. I hope you serve the Lord. I feel like it is the right way. But if you don't serve Jesus, that will never override my love for you. If you choose Christianity is not for you, it will never override how much I love you. I will love you regardless your problem. So when my daughter comes home and has a problem and downloads to me and her mother what's been going on in secret, You, you mean a Christian family could have a secret? Yep. What's been going on in secret, what they've been doing, and they download that problem. At that moment, I can become a father who focuses on this big problem. Oh my God, how could you ever do that? How could you let us down? How could you be keeping a secret? I can't believe you did this. You know better. We've raised you better. That's a problem, parent. But I've learned that all of us have problems and I need to focus on the love side. So I say look I appreciate you sharing that but I want you to know one thing the hand of God is all over you mom And I love you. There's nothing you could ever do that would make us not love you We will get you through this. We will work this out with you. We will stand strong with you No problem will ever override my love for you girls My daughter estella's in school now and we've sent them all through high school and I had the talk with all of them Look, i'm not stupid I know that's shocking to some of you. I I, I played the part really well. I say, girls, I say, look, you're in public school. You're going to be tempted. Boys will want your body. They will comment on your breasts. They will comment on your hind end. Uh, They will want you to come to parties and people drink and get drunk at parties. I said, look. I said, the one thing I need you to know before this game gets started, I am your best ally. I am not your enemy. I'm your ally. I want the best for you. And I said, and if you get out there and you get in trouble and some boy, you start locking a boy and he touches your boobies or something like that, don't you start thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? I can keep this a secret. No, no, no. Talk to me. I'm your best ally. No temptation that takes you is going to make me not love you. I can walk you through this. I can help you get on the other side successful. I can help you do the journey and be a successful kid. If you get out there at a party, I've already told you, don't drink. It's not not wise. If you're going to, wait till you become an adult. Do it responsibly. But listen, you get out there at a party and they start handing alcohol and you do drink. You're stupid and you do it. Listen, call me. I will come pick you up and you won't be in trouble because my love for you is that I'm your greatest ally for success I'm not stupid to think you'll never have a problem girls I just want you to know that when you do daddy and mama's love will trump any problem you have and we're going to help you be successful I will I don't have time to go into my story it is on a video uh, in 2010 I just fell apart I will leave it at that the best way you define it it was probably worse it just fell apart I embarrassed my wife, nearly lost my family, my children. I went from a very successful life to food stamps. It was not good, quitting ministry, never going to pastor, never going to preach again. Don't even know if my marriage will make it. But I'm not sharing with you this because it's a nice sermon point. It's because in the middle of the biggest problem Mark could have ever created for a wife and children, my wife extended That our love is more than the problem you've created. She forgave me. We went to counseling. We got better. The whole time I'm healing up, she was sending me emails. No, her emails were not berating me. She could have. She could have just chewed me a new one, but she didn't. She had every right to, but she didn't. She kept speaking life. She kept telling me what kind of man of God I was. She kept quoting what the Lord would do for us. She wouldn't let me wallow in my pity. She kept calling me higher. She kept pressing into God. She would go off to the farm and pray for me and pray for her even when I wasn't there. Even when I'm feeling lost and broken and hopeless. She kept pressing in and kept praying why because our love was bigger than our problem and We're 14 years removed from that now this This is just the truth of it in 14 years removed from the greatest failure My wife has never one time pulled that back up to remind me of that failure she's never said you remember because I would remember and would start crying and apologizing but when we tell you we're not saying you won't have problems we're saying love for each other has to be bigger than the problem Because love says I keep no record of wrong what you would have to that's the only way to live to keep a record of wrongs Because that's why we argue who's right who's wrong. We keep a record of wrongs. No love is kind. No, I'm not kind I'm ticked off. I'm about to wear him a new one here. I'm not gonna be kind. No love is not rude Oh, I'll show you rude So when we say our love has to trump our problems, we don't mean that it's fun We don't mean you're not justified to do so but it's a choice that you make. She would have been very justified to just sweep me under the carpet, but she didn't let her feelings justify the problem. The second one is this. A final word, Ephesians six. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand. And then this phrase, when you talk about families, the strategies of the devil. I don't know where you sit in your theology, but the devil has strategies to destroy you. He doesn't want mom, dad, or the kids to serve God. He definitely doesn't want your family to be a light for hope to anybody. But I, I put it in green because I wanted you to let it stand out so I could point to it. There comes a place in every marriage that no matter how much you love each other, You're going to bump into a ceiling where your personality can't fix it anymore. And you're going to have to start relying on God. It's the only way I'm half sane as a pastor is because I stopped thinking I could fix everybody. I have to trust the Lord. In our marriage, our love is powerful for one another and we work together for each other. But don't ever act like that that's all we need. We'll just love each other because typically in every marriage, there's going to come a place where you'll want to throw your hands up and go, I give up at that moment. Don't at that moment. Just admit that you're at the end of yourself. I'm at the end of me and I'm going to have to get God in this thing. So every couple, every husband, wife, child will typically come to a place where you feel like I'm at the end of me. Oh my Lord, I can't go on. I'm so burned out. I'm tired. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. At that point, that's the worst time to throw in the towel. You have to give God time to work. And I will say, if you give God time, he will work. Most just tap out. The problem becomes bigger than the love and I'm peace out and then what I pray rather than God restoring the marriage or restoring the fellowship and relationship and the children I take out the power of God I cease being strong I don't stand firm and then I become a statistic of the strategies of the devil here's my thought The second and last thing to share, the first is I love you more, no problem. The second is we fight for each other. Not we fight with each other. Every couple knows how to argue and fight with each other. I'm a powder, whatever, however you fight, we fight it out. Scream, throw things, cuss, I mean everybody's got their little formula. But if you wanna be successful, you have to stop fighting with each other and fight for each other. And by that I mean this, Our problems will never be bigger than God's power ever we can preach this no weapon formed against me will prosper God works all things together it doesn't matter how many scriptures are there if you don't grab on to the power and say well I'm gonna believe and hold on to that the possibility to work may be very nil it has to be real to you it can't be a sermon You have to really believe that when I come to the end of myself and I want to throw in the towel and I want to give up on him And I want to give up on her and I want to say enough's enough. It's just I'm too hurt. I'm too wounded I'm too bruised by this. I'm peace out gone. I understand that we get there I'm just asking before you peace out before you sign the dotted line on who's gonna get the kids I'm asking would you give God time Would you give his power time now in that I'm not gonna talk about you should be going to counselors before you throw in the towel and all that That's just a standard before you throw in the towel. We'll go get a lot of help, but beyond that Don't ever discount his power to help you in problems When Stella was conceived We were not in conception mode everybody get that we had three girls, I was 40, Robin was 36. We were, we were kind of in that stage of life, let's raise the girls and then lo and behold on my 40th birthday, surprise, I'm pregnant. I'm like, how, <laughs> with me, Wait, what? We, we weren't planning this, were we? You tricked me, what happened here? Like it was a moment of I wasn't ready for this, but okay took me about a day and a half to suck it up. Go, It's going to be great. It'll be another girl. Like I was hundred percent certain. It's going to be another girl. I know it is. Why wouldn't God give me a fourth girl? (laughs) 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 What a humorous way. So for my 40th birthday, I found out we were pregnant. Two days in, I'm good. But she didn't handle it that well because she did what every analytical child will do. She Googled. And she Googled what happens when a woman has a child past age-bearing years. Well, Google, you're dead. (laughs) You're just probably going to die tomorrow. So she Googles what happens if you're that old and what could happen and all of the, it's too late. It's too late. It's never, and so what grabbed hold of her was fear. And, and she lost the joy because the problem took over. And she lost the joy of being a, a new mother because anxiety took over. You're going to die. She's not rejoicing. She's pregnant. She's fearful that she's going to die and leave her children without a mother And no matter what I said, because I'm a fixer I, I could try to fix it. What can I do for you? I want to do something. Tell me what to do. I'll do anything What can I vacuum? Can I, what can I do? It did not matter what I did. I could quote scripture I could tell her I was praying for her. It never got better I would come home from work, the lights would be off, she would be in the bathtub crying at night. Uh, I would be laying there and I would wake up and the bed would be kind of moving. It's because she would be sobbing and crying. And I would pray for her and go, What's wrong? It's going to be okay. I promise we can do this together. Why? Because love trumps anything, right? The, don't worry about the fear and anxiety. You're going to be okay. We're going to have a great kid. We're going to be happy. But what if I die? I don't want to die. I just think I could die. My heart's racing. What, but that just makes more panic attacks. So I'm just like I don't know what I'm gonna do this is but we had already I say we she had planned my 40th birthday to go to New York City and so we flew to New York City with some friends and we're gonna spend the week at New York walking up and down Fifth Avenue and shopping and seeing sights. and we get there and she's literally miserable there's zero joy no smiles and so my heart is broken because I can't fix her. And it feels so hopeless. And I would, I would say, honey, you can do this. So one night she said to me, she said, look, y'all go out to dinner. I'm not going. I'm just going to stay in the room. And she went back to the room early and I walked her kind of walk off. I could see the kind of just the cloud of anxiety and fear that was over her mind and she went on to the room and we went to eat. We came back to the room and of course, like always, she's laying on the bed. Her, her eyes are just glazed over with fear and anxiety. And so I went to God. What do you do when you can't fix it? You go to God. Now, maybe God was like, finally, because I don't mind helping him. But I went to him and I said, God, I need you to do something. Because we're at a struggle here and I don't know what to do and I need you to intervene. I need you, watch this prayer, I need you to do what I cannot do. I'm just wanting to tell you if you never get there, I need God to do what I can't do. That is a wonderful, scary place to be at the same time. Because I want to do it, but I can't. I need you to do it. it. means I totally have to trust you. That was my prayer that night. I don't know what you got to do, but I need you to do it. I need you to do it for me. I trust your power because this problem is so big. That was Saturday night. I woke up on Sunday morning. I said, I woke her. I said, honey, we're going to church today. She said, well, church. I said, we're going to go to church. I want to go to Times Square. I love that pastor. Come on and go with me. Come on, just get up. Come on, let's go. So she obliged and she got dressed and she walked rather begrudgingly to go to this church Just to be a nice wife to me It was after all my birthday And I think she was being kind to me Well, it's my husband's birthday And we walked to the church And the line of people is down the sidewalk Because it was a famous church Times Square Church And the line was really long So we're standing in line And I'm mumbling to God under my breath God, you've got to do something He's got to do something He's got to do something And they came out and they said it's full we have no more seats left and so everybody kind of peeled off and I'm like oh no oh no 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 I'm staying in line and she said well the seats are taken." I said I don't care I'm staying in line anyway we just got closer to the door and I'm holding on God I'm not giving up I'm trusting your mighty power here I'm at the end of myself and I need you to intervene in this problem and so we walk in and we get in the little bitty foyer. We were at a side door, not the main door. And I get there and they're like, we're full. We have no more room. And I'm like, I'm not leaving. I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. That's not good English, but that's what I was saying. I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. God's going to get me in. And then this usher came around and walked down his flight of steps. And she said, hey, we have two seats available. She got up. Is anybody here never been it's your first time I was like me I raised my hand. She said you two, follow me and I was like, yes, yes Yes, we walked up nosebleed section. I'm talking. No, I felt closer to God Nosebleed like the people preaching looked like that big So we go through its worship. We're I'm singing my guts out. The music's incredible. Not her She's sitting down the whole time, tears in her eyes, arms folded, bitter, looked like it, anxious and fearful, and just, I mean, all of it, just a, an aura of just angst. Well, now I'm mad at her. I'm like, Dad, blame woman, I got you in here. Why don't you get up? I wouldn't say that, she'd kill me, but I thought it. I, I'm smart enough not to say it, but I was thinking it got you in this door as a priest of Almighty God, and all you do is sit there. I just urgh. well, worship ended. She never moved, and I sat down and I was looking through the bulletin. And the pastor I wanted to see is no longer a pastor. He had retired. Now I'm really upset. Like ah, the guy I wanted to see is not even here. Oh well. Then the pastor I wanted to see walked out on stage. And I got excited. I was like, what's this? And he said, I wasn't supposed to be here today. But last night, God woke me up and gave me a word. And I've come to share. (laughs) Woo. (laughs) I've come to share that word. At that moment, I'm like, oh, God woke him up last night. (laughs) That's how I felt. Like, God heard me pray in that hotel room and woke that man up for me. And he said, the Lord has given me a word that (sighs) that a bruised reed he will not crush. And a smoking flax he will not put out. And then Oh God, don't you ever discount In the middle of hell God will find you In the middle of sorrow he will find you in the middle of pain. He will search you out Oh, you cannot run from him You just gotta hang in there and in the middle, I still cry like it's been 17 blooming years and I still Sob because it showed me how much he cared for me And I was sitting there and that man that day pointed to the balcony Where we were sitting And he said there's someone sitting up here Oh my god pointing right at me now. I'm, I'm kind of looking at her like he's pointing at you <laughs> Right? It's her <laughs> And he just began to prophesy This is absolute the most God would never have to raise the dead for me that one thing he did for me is plenty And when I walked out of that room, I watched that man point his finger and preach that word. And I watched that fear just leave my wife. I watched that anxiety just come off of her. This is my honest truth. The woman I went in that building with is not the woman I came out with, and it had nothing to do with me, and it had everything to do that there is a God of all power. There is a God who, when he's for you, who can be against you? There is a God of all gods that is above every problem, every disease, and he simply wants to know, will you stop your pride and your arrogance, and will you humble your yourself to throw your hands up and go it's off my plate now I need it on your plate and I'm not going anywhere until I see your power Amen. oh if we could get there don't throw in the towel stand up with me if you will I don't know where you are in the problem I don't know where you are in the struggle I don't know if the problems have become bigger than your love and you're contemplating divorce. I don't know if every time you argue, you pull up each other's garbage. I don't know where you sit in the vein of family. But I would simply like to say if you would let the problems be smaller than the love. And that may mean today as you come to communion, you have to forgive and you have to erase the wrongs that were done against you. And you have to start being kind and quit being rude and quit saying things that are so damning and so hurtful. It's never going to be better if you let the problem override the love. It's never going to be better if you don't let kindness rule and you don't let, you know, care rule for each other. It's never going to work if you always fight against each other. Calling each other names, reminding each other of your failures, letting the problems define the hell in your home. The problems will not go away. They don't go away till you die. Even when you divorce, they don't go away. They just follow you. So if the problems don't go away, we have two options. Love conquers all. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Number two, I don't know if you're here today and you feel very hopeless like I did You've done everything you know to do you've cried you've quoted scriptures. You've anointed pillows with oil Nothing's changing Oh, 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 I will simply Ask you please don't throw in the towel yet Not yet Give God half a chance Invite him in Tell him you're at wit's end and you need him to help Stop trying to change it and just give the care to him and say all right intervene with your power I don't care how you have to do it, but I'm going to expect you to do it and when they say it's full Don't get out of line When they say go away, we don't have any more room. Don't get out of line. He's gonna work And when everything around you says it's not working see she's just sitting there don't budge Trust God Trust what you've prayed for. Trust the faith that you've put in Him. He can do miracles. If you would bow your head, potentially to look at yourself and judge, where are you today? Men, where are you today? Daddy, where are you today? Are you angering your children with your personality? Does their personality irritate you so much that their irritations have overridden the love? Wife, are you so mad at him that the irritations of how he is and his personality has got you so frustrated that the problem is overriding the love? Husband, has she ticked you off so much that there's no way you're ever going to get past this? There's no way you could ever forgive her. It's too hurtful. We've all been there. I'm simply asking, you can be a strategy of the devil or a statistic for the Holy Spirit. It's your choice. The possibility rests on what you choose today. I just simply would encourage you, choose his power stop trusting you and choose his power put the towel back in your pocket and go if i do anything with it it's not throw in the towel i'm going to wash your feet with it because i'm going to trust him i've never met a human yet that trusted god that was disappointed now in a moment michael and the team is going to just create an atmosphere of worship we're going to open the tables for communion the elders are to my right and left I'll be up here to pray for you as well but this is your moment it's your moment to assess where you are, it's your moment to assess are the problems bigger where is your faith in God to heal this thing it's your moment to repent if you've been not living in love it's your moment to repent if you've thrown your hands up and say I'm done And as you come to communion and you dip the bread and you take it, before you slip out the door, you can leave at any time after communion you want to leave, but I would say before you do, have a moment with God and recommit to your family. Recommit to each other as a husband and wife that we're going to fight for each other. Recommit to your kids that, yes, I'm not a perfect parent. I can have wrongs and do wrong, but I want to look you in the eye and tell you there's no problem that will ever outlast the love I have for you. And i think we can raise some pretty doggone good families now father today i bless this house and i bless what we've heard i ask that you would capture us with power and authority i bless the communion as we come today i bless our offerings as we give today that in this moment of our thankfulness for your blood and your body we also reconcile back to you what needs to be done do that today speak to us today in jesus name as you get ready to come for communion if you'll look at the tv i'm going to leave it up there you say what are the two things love more and fight for if you'll start there it's not easy because we're fleshly but if you'll start there the success of life is much greater if i love more and i fight for I bless you today. I bless communion as you come. In Jesus' precious name.